0: Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today I'm joined by Sophie Lambert, who is director at Tibor Jones and Associates. And uh, Sophie has a wonderful taste in contemporary fiction because she's also my very own agent too. Welcome, Sophie.
1: Hello, Ian. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: No problem. Um, As you might be able to hear, we're recording um, Sophie on a landline today because of continuing Skype issues. Anyone that listens to any podcast network knows that Skype plays up for at least 90% of the time, it seems to me. (laughs) Um, But hopefully you'll be able to hear everything that we're saying. Um, So Sophie, before we go on to talk about submitting to an agent and writers and agents in general, if you could give us a bit of a gist as to uh, who you are and what you do and and uh, I guess a bit about Tibor Jones as well maybe
1: Absolutely Um, so the agency was set up five years ago um, by Kevin Conroy Scott who had previously worked at um, two other agencies in London and I had worked at an agency in New York and before that was um, a buyer for book chains in London so we've got what I would hope to be a wealth of experience between us and We have, um, a small-ish list, although it's growing, um, and we work really closely with all our authors, and as you know, um, it's increasingly important to have an agent with whom you can work very closely editorially, um, because publishers these days just really need debut fiction to be almost ready to go, polished, and, um... Not needing any major structural or, or you know, the changes need to be largely cosmetic at that point. So we're always really happy to work with our authors for months, years, however long it takes to get their um, fiction in the right shape for submission. And um, we have a really extensive and good network of contacts um, in the UK, in the US, where we sell directly and um, within most of Europe as well. And um, I'd like to think that all of the authors we represent um, can take away a really good personal relationship from um, Tibor Jones and um, and hopefully feel very happy with the way in which they've been um, treated by us and um, by the publishers that we've found their books
0: homes for. I mean, I I can vouch for all of that. I've got first-hand experience. Do you think it's is it? Do you think it's quite a, a common thing now? I mean, I was I'm, I do remember being struck by. Um, I, <laughs> I was going to say how friendly you were, but that sounds almost quite passive passively rude. Um, but but how, how personal it uh, it was, and and it meant a lot to me that you were willing to work on my book. I mean, I was happy with my submission, but at the same time, I was I was willing to kind of work with you, it was what I wanted. Do you? Th- is it the case with most agencies now that they, they, they kind of want the same kind of... Um, and, and is it necessary? Like you say, publishers do. They want to have a real sort of product that's almost ready for the shelves. So is it more common?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, I, you know, traditionally, um, agents weren't taking on that editorial role. But over the last 10 years, perhaps, um, as publishers have become more cautious and I suppose there's just been more and more debut fiction published so they've been able to be more selective Um, agents have taken that role on and I think most people most agents that you encounter these days will um, especially those building their lists will spend a very large portion of their time um, editing and offering guidance and advice to authors um some some agencies also use um freelance editors um and and some agencies might use those as well as uh their own staff but um we don't tend to use to use um, external people but it's i don't see that as a problem but it's more um it's i suppose that would be more a case of how um how long you've been working with an author and if, if you'd got to a point which you felt as though you needed someone who hadn't been quite so close for a, a prolonged period to have a, another third opinion. Mm. Um, but yes, it's as everybody who is listening or will listen to this will I'm sure know, it's, it's a really challenging time for new authors. So the most important thing... As a debut author, or as a, an author with a, a new career, um, is to make sure that when the book is submitted, it's as good as it can be, because it's that's you know that's your best chance basically. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I and I I generally think it's um, a bit of a misconception about agents in general in 2013 that um, I think there are still a lot of people have this and it's i guess it's fueled in part by the rise of self-publishing because there are a, a lot of websites and blogs out there that tell people that agents are useless and you know why would you even think about it but i think that there's just giant misconception misconception about what agents do and um and whenever i talk about the relationship that i've had with you and 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 the agency in general people are generally quite surprised that it's you know that we actually work together in order to make a really good product that we're all happy with
1: yeah well I mean you know that's lovely to hear and um I would hate to think that people felt otherwise but I think you're right I think you know there's there's always people who are quick to feel as though agents are there to grab and cherry pick and Mm. um not interested in in taking on smaller less financially rewarding projects um um you know as as regard to sort of self publishing i mean obviously you know it, it does work really really well for some people and um and it doesn't work really well for others i think there are there are certain kinds of fiction that lend themselves to being self published um more than others and i think i think literary fiction doesn't lend itself particularly well because um it's all about visibility really and um and certain sort of genre fiction areas they've got they can can build up a really impressive online following almost like a sort of cultish following yeah. um by tapping into certain reading groups and online discussion groups and so on um whereas with with literary fiction for the most part at least i think you still need many of the traditional avenues um, of publication that sort of reviews and, um, well, bookshop visibility and readings and events and so on. Mm. And it is a struggle, And but I think that agents can help authors with that, you know, whether it's helping with publicity, um, you know, ensuring that, relationship with the editor at the publishing house is is as good as it should be um, mm-hmm. ensuring that the publisher is doing what they ought to be doing um, and that's not to be um, meddling or um, questioning what the publisher is doing but I just think you know I'm always working for my authors and in their interest and, and I always want to make sure that everything is being done as it should be and as has been promised
0: Absolutely and um, you mentioned the traditional routes to getting more um, exposure uh, or shelf space, shelf time Prizes mm. are always quite handy That's a good link wasn't it? Yes <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Tibor Jones have, have launched the Page Turner Prize that was the first one last year in two 2000- thousand. Oh, no, is this this the third one or the second one?
1: It's the second one. It's every other
0: year. Oh, that's right. I knew that 2011 was uh, relevant somewhere. Um... And, uh, well, tell us a bit more about it. I know that the closing date is quite soon. So basically, I've, I've written about, um, about the prize on, on the blog and told people about it. But, um, I know that there are plenty of people listening to this podcast who have, um, manuscripts, uh, sort of almost finished or finished and ready to go. So I think it's of interest to them too. So what is the Page Turner Prize?
1: So we set up the Page Turner Prize, um, as a way to, Encourage as many authors of finished or relatively close to being finished um, fiction to submit in the hope that we would find some amazing gems and um, and help guide them towards publication and in doing so really give them the best possible start by by winning a new prize. Um, and as a former bookseller and buyer, I found it. I, I felt as though I really wanted to give other booksellers and buyers um, judging um, roles, simply because they are the people who, ultimately, in traditional outlets, are hand selling to new readers, and um, and they're bombarded by new books from publishers and I wanted to see what it was that would stand out to them and um, feel special enough for them to want to award this sort of a prize to a new author. Um, and that year, 2011, when we launched the prize, um, we had, I think it was around 400 entries or so. Wow. Um and um, we sifted through them and um, drew up a long list, and then we put together a short list of um, five from that long list. And um, and I went on to uh, offer representation to three of those shortlisted authors, um, one being the winner, uh, Gabriel gabada whose book, Vauxhall, will be published in May this year and um, to Nathan Filer, whose debut novel, The Shock of the Fall, will be published in May this year. Um, And where Nathan was concerned, his was only a 30,000-word sort of half a novel when when we first read it um, during the submission process, but it was clear that he was going to be Star and that the book was going to be brilliant. And over the next year, he and I worked together, and and the book doubled in size. And um, following submission last spring, I had uh, eleven publishers bidding for the for the novel, which, as most people know, is really unusual. And um, I hope will, along with Gabriel's brilliant novel. What um really prove that an initiative like this can work wonderfully well and that we at Gore Jones as well as my team of judges um have got a good eye to to spot something really special, whether it's close to completion or or halfway there. Um I I'm not shy of taking on something that needs a lot of work if mm. if I think it's Really going to dazzle in the end?
0: So well worth people entering, basically. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, enter. Uh, you know, we we want it. It's not um, genre specific. Um, you know, I'd love to find as many agents would a brilliant new crime author. Um, I'm not. There's there's no. Um, it doesn't need to be a literary fiction novel. Um, and. Uh, we look at every single submission that comes to us and um, just make sure that when applying, you're you're sending along a relatively concise but appealing synopsis because it really, really helps.
0: Yes. Yeah, writing a synopsis was probably the least favourite thing um, of the entire process for me. (laughs) I hated it. It's just so difficult, but it is so important as well.
1: It is so important and and so often you find that that synopsis that you as an author have written then changes into the synopsis that your agent writes as part of their submission letter to an editor, and then in turn <coughs> part of the 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 blurb that the marketing department a publisher might use, and then often you'll find it in in perhaps in slightly other in another, um, guys on the back of the, on the back of your book jacket, whether that's 12 months, um, down the line, but, you know, really the two line pitch as crude as it is, is crucial. Um, because if you can't sum up your book in a couple of lines, the essence of it, at least, then, then how is anyone else going to be able to do that? And, and that's what they need to be able to do to hand sell it all along the way to, your
0: readers absolutely, and there's something that I recently found out about called the snowflake method apparently
1: okay.
0: Um, which is um, you have to start out this is i think this is right at the start of the process almost start out by trying to describe your idea for a novel in two sentences then once you've done that write a paragraph and then when you've done that write a page and then a full synopsis i think there's perhaps a bit more to it than that Mm. but it's basically start off by trying to really nail down the the crux of your um, novel and then snowflake out i guess that's the metaphor yeah and um and try and uh, expand upon it from there but it is challenging but it is i think it's i mean it sounds i think people get excited because they've finished their book and there's all those years usually of uh years of effort that go into it and then you think well i'll just i can do a synopsis in an afternoon and then send it off but actually you need to spend an awful lot of time putting your actual application together because it's the first thing that people read um, absolutely, which makes absolutely. It no i couldn't
1: agree more
0: um so is there anything specific that you're looking for in a writer i know that you said there's nothing specific in terms of genre and this doesn't mm. necessarily have to be about the the prize this could just be in general
1: Um, well, I, I firmly believe that you can't teach people to write as such. Um, so I'm always looking for people with confident, fluent, original voices. Um, what I think, you know, the, the, the many creative writing courses help with is, um, is giving authors the time and space to write and um, feedback from often published and um, well-versed authors and tutors and so on. Hmm. So um, I suppose I'm looking for someone who can write, which sounds pretty (laughs) obvious, but an awful lot of... An awful, awful lot of people I suppose struggle with with that aspect of it you might have a brilliant story but you need to be able to articulate it um well um and beyond that I I'm looking for something that has a compelling heart to it because um well for many reasons story is king at the moment and um And if you haven't got a compelling, page-turning heart to your narrative, then you're going to struggle. Um, You need to, as an author, just constantly keep at the back of your mind what is keeping the reader turning these pages, what is urging them onwards, Mm. what is making this so um, ultimately unputdownable um, and that's not to say that it needs to be full of um, sort of twee tricks mm. and um, and surprises but we need to care, we need to care about the characters if you don't care about the characters then you sort of, you've, you've lost a good portion of your readers immediately
0: mm. um, I, I also think that people tend to assume page turners or you know, people just wanting to not put down a book with something like a, a you know a thriller or a crime mm. crime fiction or something like that where there is you know I guess that that that, that expectation of jeopardy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, 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 I've, as you well know, I've got a book about a bloke who just lives on a street. <laughs> There's more to it than absolutely, that, but you know.
1: but it's utterly compelling because um, you know your your central character is not only wonderfully original but he's so three dimensional he's got so many secrets <clears throat> and um, from the first paragraph uh, the reader is just desperate to find out what secret he has and what's driving him onwards and why he does why he behaves in the way that he does and um, that that is equally page turning and um, so no it's it's i I'm, I'm i do not mean um in any way that that I have to have um thrillers or uh, high concept fiction thrown my way that's, mm. that's certainly not what i would um envisage
0: no i mean and it's I'm sure people will know that's all all very kindly to say so for this excellent work on the sales pitch, thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, i it's something that, that I thought about, and I think it doesn't, it, like I say, it doesn't matter what type of book it is, all, all good books do have that element to it in one way or another. And um, when, I was writing, when I was writing Angelica, I, I always thought, why would you want to read the next chapter? It was quite an important thing, even though I hadn't written a, sort of, a more kind of thrillery type uh, novel before, I still had that idea in my, my head, what would I want people to uh, think or why, why would I want them to read next? So yes, it yeah, applies to all books basically as well. I was trying to say definitely. Um, okay, and um, I, th- I think that's about it. Really, I think I, I forgot to press my timer at the start. It's not very unlike me to be unprofessional. Um, so, but I think we're at about twenty-five minutes. So that's quite that's quite a, a decent-sized podcast. Um, Fantastic. Thank you very much. That was really, um, really helpful. I think people are going to find a lot of that interesting, especially, um, obviously, about the prize and um, about the role of the agent uh, at the moment. People need to know where to find out about the prize, though, if they want to enter. What's the uh, submission details, that kind of thing?
1: So um, all the information about the Page Turner Prize is on our website, which is com. And um, there was a piece in the Book Sam magazine, that your listeners could access um, online now as well.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and there's a there's an email address on our website um, and any questions or queries can go directly to that and we'll get um, back in touch
0: immediately. Okay, and I will put links to all of those things in the show notes that go with this podcast episode. Um, Thank you. And you can also access uh, you, although not necessarily for fielding questions, (laughs) specific questions about the prize, but I suppose some questions, if they're appropriate, on Twitter. Yeah,
1: absolutely,
0: we are on Twitter, and I'm more than happy to answer questions that way too. And that's at Tibor Jones, so it's very straightforward. Um, Okay, and I'm uh, Ian Broom on Twitter, I-A-I-N-B-O-O-M-E, that's not changed. And um, obviously you can go and find the website as well, which is ianbroom.com. I think that's it. Thanks very much for joining us Sophie. That's
1: my pleasure. Um and I hope everybody listening can um apply to the prize. Can't wait.